You know, I thought about that word identity, and I took that word and I began to look at the letters, and I believe that I stands for who we are in Christ. And D stands that we've been delivered from, and you can fill in the blank. Do we have anybody that's been delivered from anything here at Heart of the Bay? And then E, and I'll give Brenda credit for this one, E stands for equal position. Because we are heirs of God, and we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. Amen? Identity. N stands for never looking back. Never ever looking back. Forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth unto those things which lie ahead for us. Paul said, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He said, I forget the past and I'm pressing toward the future. Amen. So never, ever looking back. And then T stands for, thank God, today's a brand new day. Everyone say it with me. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And then I stands for, it is finished. It is finished. Amen. And then T, of course, stands, we've been raised up together with him. And then why, I couldn't figure out what why was, but we figured out in the first service, why it stands for, you are a new creation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are chosen. You are forgiven. You have been redeemed. Amen. So all of those uh, letters will be covered during this series. But I want to talk to you a while about who are you? You know, there was a gentleman that came out of the hills of Arkansas and he was driving kind of fast and he got pulled over by the highway patrol and the highway patrolman come up to him and says, do you have any ID? And not understanding what he meant, he said, about what? <laughs> and that's not what he meant. Well, I think sometimes Christians can be clueless and not have any ID. Not have any ID about who they are in Christ. Not have any idea about what Christ has done for them. You know, in Proverbs it says, where there is no revelation, the people perish. Where there is no redemptive revelation, the people perish. Now, if you flip that over, we could say it this way. When you have a revelation of who you are and what you have and where you are and what you can do in Christ Jesus, you can prosper and you can be a success in life. No one here at Heart of the Bay has any excuse for a lack of knowledge. We are not a people that are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. We are not a people that have gone into captivity because we have no knowledge. No, we know the truth. And the truth is making us free. And as we continue in the truth, and as we continue in this revelation, we will continue to experience transformation and begin to see all that we are and all that we have in Christ Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. You know, in the natural realm, if you were to go to SFO today and you were to fly to New York City, they would ask you for what? They would ask you for your ID. You can't make any travel plans. You can't hardly go anywhere in an airport without your ID. If you want to go where you want to go, you must have ID. And the same thing is true, spiritually speaking. 
All of us must carry some identification to do business in the realm of the Spirit. And I believe that God has called all of us to do some serious business in the realm of the Spirit. Amen? So then we must know who we are. And identity theft is a huge thing today. I mean, it's huge. How many of you know you need to protect your identity? You need to safeguard your identity. Why? Because people really want to steal because they want to have what belongs to you. Does that sound like the devil or does that sound like the devil? He's a thief. He comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And just like you safeguard your identity in the natural realm, you can safeguard your spiritual identity. And that is by having a constant meditation and a constant thinking about and pondering about what you have and who you are in Christ Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Look with me, if you will, over to Galatians, the second chapter, and we'll notice in verse uh, 20, in verse 20. And I want to say this as well. This is so important. We must not identify with what we have done in our past or even what was done to us. We must identify on what he did for us. Amen? Can you say amen? Now, as you get older and as you, as you grow, you will understand that a lot of the things that meant a lot to you as a younger person don't mean anything to you anymore at all. Have you noticed that? You know, in high school, you know, if you were a, a good athlete, you know, you were identified with all the girls. And, and you were someone that was kind of looked up to. And, but, you know, when you get older, it's kind of like this. The older you get, the better you were. <laughs> right? And then, of course, uh, you know, maybe your identity in high school was you were a cheerleader and you were fine. You were good looking. Well, that's changed. <laughs> How many of you know the years have a way of bringing a little extra weight? Amen. And it's all good. So, you know, no matter how much you tuck, no matter how much you lift, no matter how much you try to loose, I'm telling you, your identity cannot be based on how what you look. If your identity is based on what you can lose, your identity is in the wrong thing. And then people grow up and they get married and mom and dad do their very best to, you know, to make a, a living so that they can be good providers for their children and send them to school. And it seems like sometimes life becomes one great big treadmill of activity. And then, you know, careers change. Life happens. And it's time for the career to go. It's time to retire. And then mom and dad kind of sit around the house and look at each other and say, now what? Well, I believe this. When you know who you are in Christ, you'll not have to ask the question of now what? Because you know your purpose. You know what God has called you to do. And it doesn't matter what age you are, no matter who's in the house, who's not in the house. If you are in Christ Jesus, you have life. Hallelujah. And life more abundantly. Praise the Lord. Now look at Galatians, the second chapter in the uh, 20th verse. How many of you know you've been crucified? That's a third of you. Okay. Let's read this together. Ready, read. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. 
Paul said, I've been crucified with Christ. One translation says this, Christ took me to the cross with him and I died there with him. What does he mean? I've been crucified with Christ. I like the way that T.L. Osborne says it. T.L. Osborne was an evangelist who lived in Tulsa, Oklahoma, grew up in the neighborhood where Brenda grew up, a mighty, mighty man of God, went to Africa and just shook that nation and shook other nations of the world. And he said it like this. He said, little I moved out and big Christ moved in. We could say it this way. Weak I moved out and strong Christ moved in. Depressed I moved out and the one filled with joy moved in. Defeated I moved out and the victorious Christ moved in. Sick I moved out and healed I moved in. Cursed I moved out and blessed one moved into our life. Say with me, I've been crucified with Christ. And I'm living in Him. And He's living in me. You know, the Bible says in Him we live. And in Him we move. And in Him, we have our being. All of our springs, all of our sense of self-worth comes as a result of the new birth. When you came to Jesus Christ and made Him the Lord of your life, you became a brand new creation in Christ. You had a rebirth, not in your natural, not in your natural body, but you had a rebirth in your spirit, man. When you called on the name of Jesus, you were immediately delivered from the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of His dear Son. Say amen, somebody. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He is a new creation. One translation says this, He is a new species that never, ever existed before. Hallelujah. See, the world is looking for superheroes. They have their superheroes in the movie theaters. They've got Batman. They've got Hercules. They've got Wonder Woman. They've got Spider-Man. And the whole world is in awe of all of these superheroes. But we are not in awe of something that is fantasy. I am in awe of the super one who raised from the dead. I am in awe of Jesus, the son of the living God. And he took his super and put it into your natural and made you a supernatural new creation in Christ Jesus. You are a new creation, a new species that has never existed before. Hallelujah. Unheard of before. When you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, some of your old cronies and old buddies could not believe it. What in the world happened to Tony? What in the world happened to Sue? Well, I tell you what happened. It wasn't of this world, but it was of another world. Hallelujah. Jesus came in to your life and changed your life. I guarantee you that if I went to my 50th high school reunion... People wouldn't recognize me. I mean, I'm 68 and going to be 69. I'll guarantee you some of those folks that are 69 years old today look 88. And why is that? Because they have no life in them. The life of God 
that was imparted to you at the new birth makes a huge difference in your life. The life of God, the Bible says, will be made manifest in your physical body. It will change your body. It will change your face. It will change the way that you look. I'll never forget in Minneapolis when we were pastoring back there, there was a lady that came to the altar to receive Jesus as her Lord and Savior. And she was so hardened by sin. And her face looked so depressed. But when she said, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. And you are Lord. I'm telling you, her face just began to shine. Her countenance began to change. Why? Because the life of God on the inside of her showed up on the outside of her. Folks, I want you to know when you got Jesus on the inside, hallelujah, it'll make a difference on the outside. Absolutely. Now, when you became a new creation, he gave you new ears. Remember, Jesus said this, he that hath ears to hear, let him what? He wasn't talking about these outward ears. He was talking about these inward ears. He was talking about the ears of your spirit. And when you begin to cultivate this glorious fact that you are a new creation in him, And the life of God is on the inside of you. And when you cultivate your walk with him, you'll be able to hear what the spirit is saying down here. You'll be able to hear with the ears of of your spirit what God's word is saying to you. Now, when you got born again, not only did you get new ears, but you got new eyes. How many times have we preached on this fact that Paul prayed in Ephesians 1 that the eyes of our understanding would be enlightened. That the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. The eyes of your spirit have been given to you so that you may see yourself the way that God sees you. And in order to see yourself the way that God sees you, you'll have to open the word and get into it. And then once you get into the Word, the Word of God begins to enter into you. It gets down in your spirit. It goes and bypasses your mind and it gets down into your spirit where He lives. And then the entrance of His Word gives you light. And you begin to see things you've never seen before. You see that you have right standing with God. Because you're a new creation. You begin to see down here with the eyes of your heart, God's plan and God's purpose for your life. Pray this with me. Lord, I pray that the eyes of my heart would be flooded with light. Now listen very carefully. These new eyes that God gives us at the time of the new birth when we become new creations, are not only for us to see ourselves the way that He sees us, but they're also for us to see others the way that He sees them. See, if we're moved by what we see here, if we're moved by what we hear here, (laughs) it can be very frustrating. Because how many of you know what you see and what you hear doesn't always line up what you know down here? And so God will enable you then to see others the way that he sees them. 
Did you know that God sees every person? I'm talking about every person. Whether they're born again or not born again. He sees every person as valuable and precious. He shed his precious blood for precious people. And so I believe this. That God not only wants us to get excited about who we are, but I believe He wants us to get excited about the potential of other people coming into the kingdom of God. Seeing them the way that God sees them. Not only will He give you new eyes, but He'll give you a new attitude. He has changed my attitude. He has changed my disposition. You know, in the natural realm, if you're a person that has a negative disposition, God can change that negativity into positivity by the power of the Holy Spirit. To where once you begin to see things dark and gloom and all that stuff, but now you get up in the morning and you say, glory to God, this is the day the Lord has made. I see the potential of a God kind of life that is literally changing my life and changing the landscape of my life. He'll give you a new attitude because you're a new creation. Say it with me. I am crucified with Christ. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Now notice with me in Ephesians chapter uh, chapter 1, and notice with me in verse 6. Ephesians, the first chapter, and the sixth verse. It says here, To the praise of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted, where? In the Beloved. You are accepted in the Beloved. Who you are is not based on your performance. It is not based on what you have done. It is based on what He has done. Amen? Let's read this verse together. To the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Say with me, my acceptance is not because of what I've done, but because of what He's done. Now, I want you to notice that word accepted there. That word accepted in the English language is good, but there's more to that word accepted. That word accepted means to be highly favored. Not only does it mean to be highly favored, but it also means to be surrounded with favor as with a shield bringing protection in your life. That word accepted there is only used one more time in the New Testament when Gabriel came to Mary and said, Mary, thou art highly favored of God. Blessed art thee among women. Amen? Well, you know, you're in good company when you're in the company of Jesus' mama. Amen? You are as highly favored as Mary was. You are as highly favored as the Apostle Paul was. You are as highly favored as anyone who has ever come into the kingdom of God was. You are blessed. You are highly favored of God. Amen. And not only that, you are chosen in Him. Think about it. He chose you before the foundation of the world. You're chosen in Him. 
God pointed his finger at you. Hallelujah. Before you were even in your mama's womb. And he says, I want you. I choose you. Now, all of us know what it's like not to be chosen. Some of us were not chosen for athletic teams. Others were not chosen for a school. Perhaps you are not chosen by, you know, this, this uh, person or that person. But, oh, when you know you're chosen in him, it makes all the difference. Amen. Say it with me. I am chosen. I am accepted in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. And so we need to believe that. And we need to confess that. Because the enemy is a big L-I-A-R. He will tell you you are a loser. He will tell you that you are what he is. See, he is such a loser, he wants you to get to believe that you're a loser. The enemy wants company. But he is the all-time loser. For Jesus destroyed him who had the power of death. Amen? The enemy's a liar. Don't listen to him. You are not the rejected trying to get accepted. You are the accepted and the enemies trying to make you feel rejected. You are not the sick trying to get healed. You are the healed and the enemies trying to make you sick. You are not the poor trying to have your needs met. You are the rich. And the enemy is trying to get you to take the bait and tell you that you are poor, that you will ever, never have enough. But you know what the answer to that is? I serve a God. His name is El Shaddai. And he's the God who is more than enough. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. You see, the children of Israel, they were in the land of Egypt. They were in the land of not enough. And then the children of Israel came over into the wilderness. And they were there for how many years? Forty years. It took them 40 years to finish a 12-day trip. That's what doubt and unbelief will do. Doubt will keep you out of your promised land. And so they went from the land of Egypt of not having enough. And then they got over into the land of the wilderness where they had just enough. You know, God was faithful. He rained down quail. He rained down manna from heaven. But you know, they were a people that were very, very frustrated. And they got so frustrated that they looked back to Egypt and they thought, would to God that we were back in Egypt. I mean, it was so good in Egypt, right? Getting your backs whipped and, you know, eating onions and leeks and all that stuff. No, no, no. Never, ever look back. Look forward. Unto what God has got for you. Then there came a time where God had to weed out the doubters. He had to weed out the unbelievers. Oh yeah, the promised land was theirs. But God said to them, look, I've given you this land. Now I want you to go up and possess this land. This land that I have is a land that flows with milk and honey. This land that I have for you is a place of rich fulfillment. This land that I have for you is a land of not enough. It's not a land of just enough. The land that I'm bringing into you, in you into is the land of more than, more than enough. Amen? You see, I'm saying this to you today because your God loves you. Your God is for you. 
Your God is on yes. your side. Amen. He has made you a new creation. He has taken you out of the land of Egypt. Amen. And he has brought you into the glorious promised land of his love and his care for you. Amen. And so what we need to do then is we need to understand that we're chosen in him. That he chose us. We didn't choose ourselves. This is not something that we did. Well, I think I'll, I'll, I'll choose this. Certainly we made Jesus our Lord and Savior. But way before you did that, he chose you in him before the foundation of the earth. Oh, hallelujah. That is good news, folks. And because now you are chosen in him, it is your choice on where you're going to live. It's your choice on how you're going to live. It's your choice on whether you're going to live above sin or whether you're going to live a teeter-tot, one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom kind of life. See, it's your choice. In Deuteronomy 30, he says, I call to heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you what? Life and death, blessing and cursing. Because he chose us in him, he's given us the right to make choices to serve him and to love him and to go all out for him. I like what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 33. He said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what will happen? All these things Notice what he said. He didn't say that these things will be taken away from you. But if you will put me first, and if you will make the right choices based on the fact that you're chosen in me, then I will begin to add things to your life that you could never add to yourself. Amen. You see, God is looking for a man or a woman who will be faithful. He's looking for a people that will trust Him, that will make the right choices in Him, and that will be faithful to Him. And Proverbs 28 says this, that a faithful man will begin to abound with the blessings of God. In other words, making the right choices, being faithful in Him, and seeking Him first, takes you and positions you into the land where there is more than more than more than enough. Hallelujah. How many of you want too much joy? Well, I'll just settle for a little bit of joy. No, I'm one of those who wants too much joy. Amen. You know, last night I went and got Brenda filet mignon. I told her I was going to make her dinner. Well, I didn't make her dinner, but I went and got her dinner. So I got her a filet mignon. She had a sweet potato and green beans, and oh, man, it was good. I had a filet mignon baked potato with more than more than more than enough sour cream and butter and cheese and bacon on it. Shandai, shandai, simitama bow tie. Amen. I'm not going to settle for a little bit of butter when he causes my cup to run over. When he causes your potato to run over, don't settle for some shriveled up dry potato kind of life. Settle in for the God kind, the God quality, the goodness of God in your life. Amen. Woo! He's a God who's more than, more than, more than enough. Amen. And I put an ad on to my order. I'll just be honest with you. I was hungry. I wasn't just hungry. I was hungry. 
How many of you guys know what a hungry is? I'm a hung, I did an add-on. You see, he said all these things will be added unto you. So I added on me an appetizer of ribs. Oh, hallelujah. Overflowing with barbecue sauce. I'm telling you, you serve a good, good father and he's able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or think. It's according to the power of God that's at work in you. So get your faith out. Declare I am complete in him. I am accepted in the beloved. I'm not some sort of a reject, you know, just settling for half rations. I'm coming to the table. And on God's table, there is more than more than more than enough. Shout it with me. Exceeding. Exceeding. Abundantly. Abundantly. Above. Above. That's what God does for his children that he loves. That's what God does for his kids who he has made the head and not the tail. That's what God does for his kids who he has made the above and not beneath. I'm telling you, there's an above kind of life. There's a higher kind of life. But it begins by having a foundation of knowing who you are. If you feel bad about yourself and you feel like, you know, you're inferior, there's going to be nothing but a cloud of condemnation hanging over your head all the days of your life. You see, the reality of your right standing with God, the fact that He has made you a new creation, that He has chosen you, that He has accepted you, and that He has made you right in His sight will enable you to go before the throne of grace in a manner of boldness and receive everything that God got for you. In 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says this, For He made Him, Jesus, to be sin for us, who knew no sinfulness, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. One preacher says it this way, He took your sinful condition that you might receive His righteous condition. Isn't that good news? Right standing with God. That's who you are. Say it with me. I am a new creation. I am crucified with Christ. I am chosen in Him. I am accepted by Him. I am the righteousness of God in Him. You do not need to look at anything or anybody to complete you. I'll tell you right now, Brenda Raylene Edwards was complete before she met Mark. I want to tell you my middle name, Thomas. I don't want to be teased. She did not go to Rama looking for her soulmate. She did not go to Rama because she was so incomplete and she was such a mess that she had to find Superman. I'm just saying to complete her. As a matter of fact, when I met her, I was incomplete. God had begun a work in me. 
but he was still completing it. And aren't you glad the work that he's begun in you, he will complete until the day of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I got the better end of the bargain. I'll tell you that right now. I didn't have an automobile. I didn't have a car. I didn't have anything. But she had wheels. Hey, she had much more than wheels. We won't go there. She had everything that I could have ever desired. But my point is this. Your career doesn't complete you. Go get yourself a career by the leadership of the Holy Spirit. If you're called to be a doctor, be the best doctor you can be. If you're called to be a lawyer, be the best lawyer you can be. If you're called to be a warehouseman, be the best warehouseman you can be. Be faithful. Be diligent. Do your business with everything that you have. But at the end of the day, those things don't complete you. When you go to your job tomorrow morning, just remember this, that you're already complete in Christ Jesus. It doesn't matter what people may say about you. It doesn't matter what people may think about you. It doesn't matter what kind of jokes they tell about you because you're a Christian. Ah, just leave that all in the Father's hands and know that you're complete. You're complete in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Colossians chapter 2. Let's look over there. Ha, ha, ha. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Glory to God. <laughs> Woo, glory to God. Hallelujah. Colossians 2 verse 10. Are you ready to shout? Colossians 2 verse 10 says, You are almost complete in Him. Almost. You got a ways to go, Buster. You cut your hair, you might make it. Huh? No. You are not incomplete in Him. You're complete. Now that doesn't mean He's not doing a work in you. He will forever do a work in us. Amen? But in the spirit realm, you're already complete in Him. Which is the head... Of all principality and power. Now I want you to notice this in the in the passage uh, the the passion translation. Would you read it with me? It says, "And our own completeness is now found where." In him. Everyone say, "In Christ, in, Christ. in, him. in him." I am in Him. I am in Christ. He is in me, and I'm joined unto Him. So you've been engrafted into him. You've been grafted into him. Notice, and your completeness is now found in him. We are completely filled with God. And that's what the infilling of the Holy Spirit will do for you. As Christ's fullness overflows within us. For he is the head of every kingdom. And he is the authority in the universe. So what is this saying to us this morning? It is saying that you have everything you have in Christ. And you're filled with God through your union with Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
He already sees you complete in Him. In spite of your imperfections, in spite of all those things, you are a new creation. You are a partaker of His divine nature. And now it's time then for us to cultivate the salvation that's on the inside of us. It's time to work that out. Amen? Not through works of the flesh, but by the workings of the Holy Spirit. You see, He's given you the Holy Spirit to help you to live this kind of life. He's given you the Holy Spirit to help you to mortify the deeds of the flesh and the deeds of the body. But if you try to do it without His help, if you try to do it out of, oh, I'm so imperfect and I'm so uh, not this and not this, you've got to know who you are. Knowing who you are is the first step. And then letting Him just do a work in you. Just pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I open up my life for you to do a great work in me. You see, the Philippians says it's not in your own strength. For it is God who is all the while at work in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Is God working in you? Are you going to let him work in you? It's his plan for him to do a great work in your life. Here's my prayer for you guys. As we wind up this first message, it's in Philemon 6 and the Amplified. This is my prayer for you. I pray that the participation and the sharing of your faith may produce and promote a full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is yours in your identification with Christ Jesus unto His glory. Philemon says this, I pray that the communication of your faith may become divinely energized as you declare and as you say who you are and what you have in Christ Jesus. So I want you to stand up today. Let's end this message before we receive communion with some faith filled confessions. Are you ready? Glory to God. Somebody shout amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank God for his word. Thank God that he's moving in our lives. Declare your identity in him. You are a new creation in him. You're completely saved, completely forgiven, completely righteous, completely new on the inside. Raise both hands to heaven and say, I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. I have God's very own life and nature in me. The life of God is in me now. I am crucified with Christ. I am a new creation. I am chosen in Him. I am the accepted in the beloved. And let's shout together, I am complete in Christ Jesus. And that's the good news. That's the good news. Don't let the devil talk you out of it. Find the scriptures that tell you who you are. This was the greatest revelation that I came into in 1976 and 77. When I came out of darkness, you know my testimony. I was in great darkness, but God brought me to great light. And His Word, which is light, got into my spirit. And it's changing me daily. 
I'll just be honest with you. I haven't arrived any more than you have. But you know what? We're on our way. And this is a guide to help you in your life. If you will look at the scriptures that say, in Christ and in Him and in whom. And we're going to get a list for you during this series so you can write them down and confess them. It will change your life forever. Amen.